For the great enemy of truth is very often not the lie, deliberate, contrived and dishonest, but the myth, persistent, persuasive and unrealistic. Too often we hold fast to the clichés of our forebears. We subject all facts to a prefabricated set of interpretations. We enjoy the comfort of opinion without the discomfort of thought. So that's a quote from John F. Kennedy's commencement address at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut on 11th of June, uh, 1962. Um, my name's John Fanning and this is the Create with John Fanning podcast. Um, how's it going out there? Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're staying healthy. Um, Defend off this damn coronavirus and that you're using the time if you're being imposed with isolation and are in your space wondering what to do and you're crawling up the walls. Well, get creative. Create. Use the time to actually do the project that you've been wanting to do for so long or to continue a project you already started. Use this space and this time to create. So, this is episode 11 of my series of episodes on imagination and creativity with a small c, (laughs) based around uh, my book Create. Last time I talked about perfection and Shakespeare, and today I want to talk about myths and lies. So... Myths can move us towards imagination or they can move us away from it. So it's important to understand the difference between positive myths and, say, negative ones. Because they both work, but they both work in different ways. Whether it be under, whether it be understanding uh, common universal stories or reinforcing common lies, uh, what I've been calling walls, oftentimes walls that are created by our own ego mind. A good example would be so-called urban myths, which are basically falsehoods or masquerading as truths. And there are many of these types of negative myths, especially when it comes to the imagination. But the some of the positive ones, um, uh, if you read... Clarissa Pinkola Estes or Joseph Campbell or even Carl Jung myths take on a a positive role in in society Um, you could also watch Campbell talking to somebody like Bill Myers about Star Wars or even George Lucas talking about Joseph Campbell They're, they're fascinating readings of our historic stories although many would say we've been creating some very different universal myths in the last decades what with climate change and the doomsday clock prognosis those two uh, quintessentially existential um, crises one uh, which has kind of come to the fore with Greta Thunberg and uh, and, and uh, so many other people um, but the doomsday clock is something that's just not talked about as much as it was back in the day and it's gotten even closer. So these kind of new universal 
myths that are uh, or stories that are being created are need to be talked about even more um so if for me personally it took me a long time to discover the truth of myth and the way people like Estes and Campbell did and they helped me to understand what we we're that basically we're surrounded by myths whether it's the myth of Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad or books like the Upanishads or the myths of the Celts from where I come from and that there are also modern ones too and all these kind of mythic viewpoints look at fate from different parts of the same animal and it took me a long time to see this too it's kind of that that, that cliched idea of the elephant in the room and one person sees the tail and the other person sees the the nose and the other person sees a foot we don't see the whole animal we're all looking at it from different parts of the same different parts um it's like looking at climate change just as oh in uh, fossil fuels as opposed to the other parts of of that animal so it's this holistic idea of of the myth and uh, so it took me a long time to see uh, this too and to understand that many of the myths i was fed as a creator are simply incorrect the parts that i was given um to digest were just simply incorrect like say like say roman catholicism back in ireland i was indoctrinated up to a certain age and then i found or more created my own kind of spiritual myth or my own spiritual myth of reality and of course when i realized this i understood understood or begun to understand how the myths were told could be negative and counteractive to creation too uh, like a creative worldview, my worldview was somewhat stunted by the um, the the Irish kind of Roman Catholicism in the sense that how the bishops actually controlled the Irish government, uh, actually had a say in in um, policy to an extent, um, and had a, had a adverse adverse effects on the imagination of me as a child and other children that grew up in that. And that's just one small example of that. But this idea of the imagination and how it's counteractive to creation, these myths that are created by the society or societies we live in. So one of the first myths I was told was um, all artists are broke. <laughs> and after my granddad had anxiously wheezed, I think it was in the episode on family and friends, I think I told the story about my granddad going, oh no, not that, uh, to me when I told him I was going to be a writer. Um, I, I asked him why, I asked him why he was so terrified of me saying that I was going to become a writer. He kind of hissed because he, you know, he wasn't well, he was in his, basically in his deathbed and he kind of hissed out, artists never make any money. Well, that was probably when I was about 19 years old and it took me a long time to actually realise that that's just bullshit. Um, it is, it's just complete bullshit. Uh, Shakespeare was minted. Uh, if he was alive today, I'm sure he'd be in Hollywood driving around in some kind of flash car. <laughs> Picasso and, and Dali were, they were filthy rich too. Um, if you look at any 
so-called successful artists are, are they broke uh, an artist I know he makes up to 50,000 euros on it for a painting but it wasn't so long ago I remember him not even having enough money to pay for nappies for for their their baby boy and he and his wife were, were pregnant again and if I told you his name you wouldn't know who he is is he not making money also um who is it that gets paid to act who gets paid to write or to produce or even to design all those amazon and netflix and hulu movies and tv shows they're all creators they're all artists so this idea that uh, there's no money in art it's just bullshit it's just specific stuff like let's say the the game that i got into uh inadvertently um uh like literary fiction um there isn't that much to make in that unless it's over a long period of time and you get one of your books out there that becomes a movie or sells or and that's for many i've talked about this before that's for many creative or literary writers as such but it doesn't mean that artists don't make money they can make money and actually a lot of the ones that i met at our retreat in the south of france if you guys are if you're just coming to this podcast for the first time we had a writers and artists retreat down in the south of france and i used to meet um artists and writers who were making enough money to pay their rent and their the utilities they weren't making a lot of money but they were making a living and they were happy because they were doing what they loved so this 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 bullshit idea that artists are all broke is 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 a myth you know it's a negative myth and it needs to be broken down and at least addressed in some kind of um from a different angle you know i'm not saying i make i'm minted from the novels that i write uh but you know everybody's different and each category of each creative uh, field is different as well and you know there's a lot of luck and there's a lot of uh, serendipity and you know a lot of people you know i gave examples of picasso and dali well you know another example i gave was van gogh you know he died after selling just one painting for a pittance so what you say is um when i was talking about success that idea of success um but um which I'll talk about more when I talk about capitalism and success. But um, getting back to uh, these these myths, uh, another one would be that all artists are drunks or drug addicts. You know, this, this idea of the artist getting drugged out of his head and dying early like Basquiat or uh, like Hemingway headbutting the door out of an airplane and uh, just complete, uh, uh, complete alcoholic or F. Scott Fitzgerald falling off a stool and actually when Hemingway was talking about him in a movable feast or something like this again that's bullshit too you know some of the hardest working people I know are creators some of the dearest friends I have who are creators they work really long hours and they're super serious about what they do and they're not drunk all the time and they're not stoned out of their minds if they were they wouldn't be able to do their work some of them work 10 hour days a lot of them at least six days a week because they just love what they do they do um they're addicted to doing what they do if anything the addiction that they have is or they're drunk on their art 
They don't have time for drugs. And as well as that, they're not stupid. They know drugs today are laced with all kinds of brain-destroying chemicals. And it's not like the hash or the... Um, that they had back in the 60s, you know? <laughs> or even the cigarettes they had back then. Everything now is addled with chemicals. So they're not stupid. They want their heads together so that they can get up the next day and write and paint and produce and build. So, again, that's another bullshit, mate. And... Then another one would be that uh, that we're all crazy, you know. This idea uh, that all 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 artists are crazy, you know. I, I gave that example before in a different episode about il fait le poète, uh, which means it's a French term of oh he's doing the poet, you know, which basically means he's doing crazy. He's been a crazy. He's just been a crazy bastard, you know. So, um, well, that's bullshit too, you know. All creators are not crazy. Yes, I've met some crazy ones. And you or many people have probably met some crazy ones. But the vast majority of them are not crazy. They're actually just well into what they do. And they get crazy about it. They're crazy about their art. Or crazy about their creativity. Or they're or adopting or getting inspired. Getting into their imagination. So let's say the Goldman boys on Wall Street. Or... The people selling guns to countries to blow up other countries, are, are they not crazy? Um, they wear tailored suits. They're not going around like artists covered in paint and spending 10 hours in a studio painting. Just because they don't have a tailored suit on, does that mean that they're crazy? So this, this idea, they, this idea of uh, how we look even, you know, it's like, oh, he looks like an artist, oh, he must be bonkers, you know? Um, so this ostentatiousness uh, of in a, in a weird way of the tailored suits they, they have their luxury cars and watches and a, a woman half their age in their arms because they left their wife and kids uh, no uh, the artist in the garret uh, or the inventor in her garage or uh, it's crazy or are crazy because they're doing something that they love is is that crazy um or is or is it crazy um you know going on and working in wall street and getting totally coked out of your head and getting in prostitutes and all that kind of stuff that's that's some kind of that's not crazy it's just a, an ironic uh contradiction and uh, there's it's so contradictory the the these myths that we have you know what's what's successful and acceptable you know the goldman boys on wall street are considered acceptable um because they have monetary gain um uh, they've they've succeeded um and that that's some form of healthy creativity but that does it's just it's just very convolutedly um kind of backwards but not to get into that too much obviously um just this idea again that myth that we're all crazy all creators are crazy well it's just bullshit we're all not all sitting in a garret you know uh with a little violin going oh woe is me no we're actually working um but just because there's no monetary recompense for that immediately or even years into the future doesn't mean it's some form of craziness or that we are crazy so creators are 
crazy from the perspective of they're not doing the quotidian but the idea that they're crazy just point blank is bullshit um which is kind of but it goes into this uh, another kind of societically acceptable ways of behaving um this idea that we our creators are irresponsible well again that's bullshit um uh, what they have all multiple wives and don't care about their kids well yes there are many creators that had multiple wives and and didn't care about their kids but there's also many businessmen um and teachers and any other group on the planet who did the same thing uh, i've known many writers and artists who sacrificed decades of creative energy to raise their kids of course the majority of them are women um and not that that ever stops them and uh, when the kid goes off to college then they start actually getting back into their creativity or their uh, getting into their imagination that's why they go off to places on retreat like lemuse that's why i used to meet so many of them they were trying to reconnect with their writing or their painting or their design so it's it's just damn disrespectful and annoying to label um these creators as irresponsible when you know it's it's just as it does does so many people a disservice like i left france for for my family my kids got into a wonderful school and my in-laws are getting very old so i could have stayed in the mountains writing my novels like a true cliched narcissistic writer uh the irresponsible writer and running a successful business but i left and it was very difficult to do to leave an idol like that this kind of postcard but uh i don't see it as a sacrifice um maybe initially i started thinking of it like that and doing the old fall upon me sword stuff but just it's just not it's just that it was the right thing to do you know it's so this idea of all our, all creators being irresponsible or that you have to be irresponsible to create is just bullshit too you know so it's all very complicated but it's in these kind of myths need to be broken down and kind of looked at and one of the only uh, persistent ways i've seen most creators being irresponsible is when it, it comes to actually representing the work after it's finished so yes they're kind of irresponsible like that um because a lot of them don't and that's irresponsible or more uh better wording would be something like dishonorable as it doesn't honor all the hard work they put in to create their work hey but each of their own um everyone's different uh i just i see it as kind of dishonorable to the work if i don't try and just put it out there uh irrespective of none of it hits or sticks um at least i've done it because i'm going to spend two years writing a novel i'm going to spend at least two months or two weeks trying to get out somewhere um so and then next would be this 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 bit of artists are all recluses you know that's just bullshit it's like i said at the top of this episode um you know everybody here everybody right now is, is on this coronavirus uh um isolation and if you want to create something you really kind of have to isolate yourself from your family from your friends from villains like i said in a different episode or um so that you can 
create a space of quiet uh, to to create. You know, it's not going to come by looking at TV. You've got to get into a room and be on your own. And it's it's I it's you have to be reclusive. You know, so I ran a retreat, and uh, you know that's that's what a retreat is. It's 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 creators go there from all over the world. And if they didn't need community in a peaceful, you know, inspiring place, then they wouldn't go there. Um, so the in in with the hinge to this kind of idea of uh, uh, isolation is also um, creators understand that you know they'd like to be social too, you know, because it's difficult to be isolated and to go into a room sit on the chair and be there for hours and then come out into the world after being in this other world of creation or your imagination. So that's what a retreat is, is so that the creators can get social at the end of the day and have a glass of wine. So again, this idea of the artist in the garret starving to death alone, you know, uh, falling on the, the thorns of life, it's just bullshit. You know, that there's so much... Um, uh, non-isolation um, group formations and communities so like you'll have let's say in Ireland they have somebody like James Joyce who he had uh, you know he's friends with uh, Samuel Beckett or they were Beckett used him as kind of a little bit of a mentor at the outset but you know so they kind of knew each other and then you have other groups like uh, you own Beach in Paris with Hemingway uh, same lady who I think published uh, James Joyce, if I'm not getting it all wrong, uh, Shakespeare and Company, or, and then you have Hemingway, known Fitzgerald. Uh, so these guys, they all create these groups. Um, so if they were recluses, then they wouldn't be all hanging out together. I talked about Dali and Picasso. They were used to hang out in a place called Serre, or down in um, near where we used to live, down in South France. Um, there's another place. What was it called? Uh, Collioure, and. So community and this idea of um, being with other people uh, it completely debunks this idea that artists are all recluses. It's just bullshit. Uh, if you think of other ones like um, like the Bloomsbury Group or even John Lennon, you know, he had the other Beatles, you know. It wasn't just John Lennon, the Beatles. It was McCartney and the rest of them, you know. And Shakespeare, who I banged on about in the last episode, you know, he had all his actor friends and business partners. He wouldn't have been... If he was reclusive, uh, he wouldn't have created those plays. But he had to go into seclusion and isolation when he wanted to write them down. But he was inspired by those other people around him. Um, those business partners and those people he used to act on the stage with. So creators can't function in a vacuum. We do need to have other people. It doesn't have to be... A thousand people, you know, it could be just two, three, four, five people on the same wavelength. Or not even that, you know, just a couple of people. Um, we we can't function in a vacuum. So that myth of uh, being all, you know, recluses. Um, there's many formed scientists have to do the thing, same thing. They have to go into a laboratory and, and be in isolation and do their tests. Businessmen have to... You know, be in their office and start trying to think of 
new ways of advertising whatever their product is they're trying to flog, you know. So it's, you know, creativity or the imagination needs needs seclusion, but it also then needs community. You need to get around a table and or get around a get on a terrace and drink a glass of wine to discuss what it is you've been up to at the end of the day. So creators always need other creators to bounce ideas off, um, to read their work or to help them out either um, uh, inadvertently or or just, you know, blatantly uh, on the on the set of a film or even just how to build a site, how to get their stuff out there, you know, just even just logic, even just um, logistical stuff. Um, and then another myth, um, another myth is that, that uh, creators are all these kind of like, this expression in Ireland is like your man's a depression session. <laughs> you know, the creators are kind of seen as depression sessions. You know, they're always in their own heads, away with the fairies, as they say, as I said in a different episode. You know, this is this idea that we're all, you know, off our heads. Um, doesn't mean some of them, some creators are, but um, but that idea that we're all depression sessions that's just bullshit too. You know, uh, but um, I am. Like, I, I can't really remember the last time I met a depressed creator. You know, if they're doing what they're loving, uh, or if they're doing what they, they love doing, um, why would they be depressed? You know, they're actually getting a kick out of it. They're actually getting a sense of meaning. And so, in fact, most of them are some of the happiest people I've met. And again, yes, there are exceptions, but um, uh, why are the ones happy uh, that are doing... Uh, that aren't depression sessions. Why are they happy? Because they're doing what they love. So all these myths, um, how we see the world can change. It can change when we create our own myth. Like I was saying about this kind of uh, Roman Catholicism and this creating a, new, a different spiritual myth for myself. Um, I think we all have to do at some stage break away from the myth that we've been given. But um, irrespective of that, this this is this idea that we see the world and we can change when we we create our own myth or myths um, by just asking questions about the positive and negative myths that we've been told or taught. And today, like ideas of progress and more and more as... um, just this idea of myths being somehow beneficial because these these ideas are i yeah it's just the idea that we need to uh, see myth as beneficial not as negatives especially when it comes to the idea of what a creator is um and to unpack the things that we've been told and to create new myths and uh, do away with these old myths and uh, unpack those old myths, like some of the ones that I just mentioned. Because we can create new myths, positive ones, by questioning. And we can question um, whether more uh, is in fact positive, this idea of progress itself, you know, because the myth of progress, um, like that contemporary idea of progress as something positive, is is itself uh, 
this is kind of inchoate. It's this 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 weird idea. That, oh, we're progressing. Then it's a positive thing. Well, you know whether progress is in fact progressive or simply a tool for the elites to push, uh, push out what uh, uh, Plato called it once the uh, their noble lies. You know, um, so we can create our own new stories. Um, Ones where compassion and service to others become these become our new myths, um, which is a much more imaginative and creative way of looking at myths, as opposed to looking in this kind of de denigrating, uh, denigrating the creator. Uh, so you know, instead of slaying the dragon, um, the dragon could become our friend. You know, instead of heroism, something which only serves the kings and queens and the, and that whole one percent to one percent. Why not have new myths, stories based around compassion and service? Um, you know, in our novels, in our in our paintings, and that amplify stories like uh, Gandhi or that young lady Malala or other stories, new myths like that. Um, and just this idea of whether you know. You know, just a question like that's just one example of questioning these myths that we've been given. You know, uh, like is progress good for the planet? Um, is it good, is it actually good for the forest of the Amazon when all the animals are disappearing because of the mass extinction current right now? It's kind of uh, which is related to the that existential thing I was talking about at the uh, one of the existential problems we're dealing with or facing right now. Um, are we really profiting from all this loss? You know, our cultural, um, are our cultural mythologies of progress, uh, are they actually progressive? Um, it seems that they're not progressive. Um, this idea of progress as a really negative thing. So this insistence of more and more is costing us too much, literally. So, and that, you know, that idea, there's all this new wealth, uh, everyone says our generation has, at least the white Western populations, anyway, is it actually making us happier? Um, like, are all these mass shootings a happy story? Or, or you know, the mental health statistics, do they paint a story of happiness? So the idea that myth, that we're better off than our grandparents, um, is it actually really true, you know? So again, the only reason I go in and go on about this idea of progress is, is just, again, to get into it on a more meta level, of not just uh, criticisms of of the character of a creator um but more importantly does does the myth of progress and more and more uh, inspire us to live an inspired life or does it like does it really nourish us or would stories of compassion and service inspire us and nourish us more uh so to put it's just do we do we actually look at myth like this do we do we see our stories as having meaning you know is it meaningful to be a creator um and so we have to create a new myth of the creator that it's actually a really positive thing to do as opposed to all these negative things that i was mentioning throughout you know um or because if we don't do that then we're simply relying on myths of previous generations for our own sense of meaning and if meaning itself actually comes from the stories we tell ourselves and the myths we tell ourselves, uh, then why can't we 
create new stories instead of simply rejecting or accepting the old ones. Um, and which goes into this this idea of doors into the imagination that I I keep mentioning, you know, because these myths, these stories can open doors into different mythic worlds. Uh, one where we uh, can kind of come together instead of apart, especially if we want to excuse me um, deal with this this existential thing I was mentioning the, like the survivors an actual species um, and yes we have we have to know all the old myths um, and especially the, the negative ones but we also have to create new ones uh, new doors towards the imagination um, so not only debunking this idea of the character of the creator but debunking the societal ideas are these kind of meta ideas of uh, what it is to create, and so that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, this idea of myths and lies, these lies we've we're fed on what a creator is, what we should think of, of somebody who creates, uh, how we should view them, um, and just create a new model. Just let's create a new myth of what a creator is, a positive one. Um, so. So thanks for listening. Uh, I started with a quote from an American and as usual I'm going to end with uh, an Irish proverb. And uh, this one literally means there's there's no truth to story without an author. Which basically means uh, how can you trust a story or myth if the person telling it is not there. <laughs> so it goes, Ni fuchgeil gonudar. So, uh, as I always say, this podcast is supported by you, the listener, on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash John Fanning, uh, J-O-H-N-F-A-N-N-I-N-G. Uh, website's the same thing with a dot me, dot me at the end, and you can see other stuff about extra episodes and um, there. Uh, it'd be great if you could afford to support it by going to Patreon. And, uh, if you can't, that's cool as well. Um, but try to go on to, and just write something on iTunes or subscribe or just let people or your friends know about it. Um, so thanks for listening. And uh, looking forward to sharing more stuff with you next time. Um, so, Slán live, August, Gunnarion Bóhar live.